Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I'm excited about this series as we get a handle on our relationships. Um, Last week, we talked about lowering our expectations of others uh, and raising our level of gratitude for God's grace. How many know we need to raise our level for God's grace, but we need to lower our expectations of one another? Uh, And the final point of last week was that we need to drop the stones Uh, If you've um, been perfect, you have every right to have a stone, to throw it if you wish. But if anybody has, if, if you know you have made some mistakes in your life, we need to be quick to drop the stones. How many are thankful that God has forgiven you every time you've needed it? Anybody thankful for that? I'm extremely thankful that God has been faithful to forgive me. So today I want to talk to you about those people. Those people. Um, Now, just for a little bit of fun, I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, If you think um, you know what I'm talking about when I say those people, just raise your hands real high. Come on, if you think you know what I'm talking about when I say those people. Um, Most of us, we we kind of identify. um, Don't point at anybody because the truth is um, they're crazy people um, and they're everywhere. Um, we all have those people. If you don't believe me, um, it, it, it's, it's the people in our lives that are challenging, the people in our lives that are critical, the people in our lives that maybe they're controlling, they're arrogant, maybe they're really, really mean. Um, maybe it's the people in your life that they know everything about everything and they're, they're really uh, proud to tell you that they know everything about everything. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say those people, because you see those people, um, you know, screaming and yelling. You see those people on social media, spreading rumors at the office. Uh, They show up at our family gatherings. We all have those people. And if you're here today and you say, well, I don't really have any of those people, it's because you are those people. All right? Come on, hit your neighbor real quick and ask him, is he talking about you? All right, now, now, now the point, the point is, the point, I don't want to, you, you guys to miss this, is that we learn how to love those people in a way that honors them and honors God. Because I think that's, that's what's important. Some people are easier to love than others. Can I get a witness? Right? Some people are a lot easier to love than others. But how do we love those people? in a way that honors God and honors the person. And I believe that this text will resonate with all of us today from Ephesians chapter number 4, starting in verse 26. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful With their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I'm going to start at the top, kind of work our way through this text. This is the only text I really want to preach today. Uh, I want to work through this, but from the top, he says, in your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And he said, the reason is because if you do, you will give the devil a foothold. Now, this, this verse is power-packed, but it starts off by telling us, in your anger, do not sin, which implies the fact that it must not be a sin to be angry, which is really good news for a lot of you, right? Because you probably walked in here angry about something. Uh, And the truth is, is that if you interact with people at any level, whether it be through social media platforms, through a place of business, through getting a cup of coffee, through going to lunch somewhere, if you interact with people, how many know you're going to end up angry at some point, right? Because people are crazy. Have y'all figured that out? I'm the only one that thinks people are crazy. Uh, sometimes it's me. I'm, I'm the crazy dude. I, I get it. But people are crazy, and I have to remind myself over and over as I navigate life and navigate relationships and navigate this disappointment or that disappointment that there really is no win in being offended. Nobody wins when I'm angry. Nobody wins when I'm offended with something. I have never had my anger or an offense that I carried help my relationship with God, help my marriage, give me more joy, or give me more peace. As a matter of fact, most of the time, 99.9% of the time, when I'm angry, it steals my joy, it steals my peace. If I'm offended, it affects my relationships. It doesn't make me close closer to God, it actually pulls me away from God. And so I got to understand this truth. Being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Some of y'all could go home right now because the truth is we're all, if you live life long enough, you're going to get offended. Being offended happens, but living offended, that's on you, baby. That's a choice that you make. People are going to let you down. People are going to say things. You're going to have an expectation and they're not going to meet it. And you're going to be hurt in the moment. And that's okay to be hurt in the moment. But the point is, is that I got to choose to get beyond that. Being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Um, If you hold on to anger and bitterness, and you nurture your offenses. What Paul said, he said, is that you give Satan, who is the father of lies, he's the prince of darkness, you give him what the scripture calls is a foothold. Everybody say, a foothold. Come on, say it online, say, a foothold. Now, now, this is important. This is so important. A foothold, I thought it was like our doors here at Bethesda Church, you got to go through a lot of measures to like unlock them fully. But you can come in and unlock it, open it up, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just put my foot there 
and, and, you know, kind of a foothold, and my, my foot will hold the door. So I was thinking about the text, and I thought, well, maybe that's what, you know, Paul's talking about. You, you kind of get your foot in the door. Then I thought, well, maybe it's kind of like a rock climber who, you know, he's climbing up and he's finding a, a place, a crevice to put his foot so he can go to the next level. But it's neither one of those definitions. Check this out. The word comes from the Greek word topos, which means, it literally means a place or a room. In other words, if you go on and live in your anger, you are giving the devil a room in your heart. You are, you are giving the devil through anger and unforgiveness and being offended, I actually give the devil a room in my life. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to give the devil access to anything that matters to me. I don't want to give him access to my marriage. I don't want to give him access to my kids. I don't want to give him access to my place of employment. I don't want to give him access to this church. I don't know about you, but I don't want to give the devil access to anything that's important important to me, and if it means i got to get rid of some anger and some offense to kick him out of my life, that's what I'm going to do. Somebody give God a praise right there. Come on, 11. Y'all slept a whole lot longer than the first service. Listen, we, we, got, we got to get this because if I live in anger and I harder, harbor bitterness and I'm easily offended, the scripture says that I give the devil access to my life. I wonder how many of us have given the devil an open invitation through our anger and through our offense. Come on over for dinner, Satan. Have your way. Because we're too prideful and arrogant to let go of something that we should have let go of. Now, I don't want you to think I'm weird. You probably, some of you are like, Pastor, that's a long time ago. You are weird. But I got to thinking about the fact that the Bible says that the devil has schemes and strategies to hurt God's heart and to hurt God's people. That there are meetings in hell about how to destroy your life. And I got to thinking, you know, if I was a part of one of those brainstorming meetings with the demons and of how we're going to make your life miserable, uh, I came up with the three Ds of destruction. And I think you'll see that this is actually happening. If you were a part of those meetings on how to hurt God's people, number one, uh, if I was a part of those meetings, I'm not, by the way, I would divide families, friends, and churches. I would divide them. I would try to bring as much division as possible to churches, families, and friends. And, and it's easy to do now because all you got to do is, you know, start talking a little bit about politics. Throw in there a little racial division with people. Throw a toxic opinion in there. If you really want to get people swinging at one another, talk about vaccinated and unvaccinated. Talk about, if you really wanted somebody to knock somebody else out, talk about mask and no mask. If I was a part of the meetings to hurt the people of God, to bring harm against the body of Christ, I would divide them. And if I couldn't divide them, second thing, second D, I would distract Christians from their mission. 
I would try to distract them. I would get them arguing about anything, anything I could get them to argue about in culture. I would get them to boycott businesses and get angry about one specific sin while ignoring our own. I would get them complaining about the latest Netflix series. I would get them complaining about other Christians. If, if I can't divide them, I'll get them distracted. I'll get them so focused on things that don't matter that they're distracted from their mission. The third D is I would discredit their witness. I'd try to discredit their witness. And this is, you know, pretty easy to do. I just have to get them focusing on what they're against instead of what they're for. It's sad when most churches are known for what they are against. Some Christians, all their post is what they're against. How come the whole world knows what you're against, but nobody knows what you're for? I'm for the gospel. I'm for Jesus. I'm for healing. I'm for restoration. Tell people what you're for. We need a church that can let the world know what we're for, not just how many things we are against. If I were a demon, I would divide, discredit, and distract. Paul says something very powerful in Ephesians 4.26. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, for some of you, this is going to be difficult because in your marriage, it just simply means you're not going to sleep for a while. You know, there was this one time me and Karen got in a fight and we didn't sleep for four days. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's not a true story. But there's something powerful about the verse when he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because what that implies, check this out, and some of you need to write this down. The day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. The day of your hurt should also be the day of your healing. The same day that someone offends you or disappoints you. As a follower of Jesus, on the same day you got hurt, as a follower of Jesus, you should be working towards healing. And this, honestly, is a principle we need to adapt because when it comes to marriage, how many know no one has to train you in in the rule or or the rules of warfare? Let's apply it to marriage real quick. Um, You don't go to premarital class and, and they teach you about, you know, what you get points for and what you get points subtracted for in, when you're fighting in your marriage. Like, you, you don't learn any of that. But I do believe there are some things you get points for and some things you lose points for. All right, hit your neighbor and say, listen up. I want you to get this. Nobody has to teach you this, but you know you get points if you're mad at your spouse and fighting with your spouse if you sleep back to back. Right? Come on, can I get an Amen. You get some points if you turn your back to, now you get additional points if you huff a little bit. (sighs) Come on, y'all. Some of y'all afraid right now. You're just looking straight ahead. It's like, I'm not looking. You, you, You also get points if you throw your shoulder violently. Don't touch me. couple extra points if you pull the covers and you have them all now. 
Some of the women are like, yeah. I get a lot of points for that. Now, you lose points if your toes sneak over into enemy territory. Right? You lose a few points there. It's like, you ain't touching my toe. You ain't getting toe tonight, and you may not ever get toe again. Come on. You're in church. Come on. Just work with me. Trying to help your marriages. Then you lose points if you do something godly, like talk first. Right? Because you got to be silent, back to back, we don't talk. And I say all that because how different do you think our relationships would be, whether you're talking about marriage, friendships, family, if on the day we got hurt, we started immediately working toward healing? How different would your marriage look if you really didn't let the sun go down on your anger? What if you started work? What if the two people, the person who offended you, if they said, I'm sorry, and you said, I forgive? I wonder what our relationships would look like if we did it God's way. Verse 29, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, let me, let me ask you all, how are you all doing with that verse? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Ask your neighbor real quick, how are you doing with that? Some of y'all won't even ask your neighbor that, will you? How are you doing with that? Don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. In other words, there's no belittling, no bad-mouthing, no criticizing, no gossiping, no no name-calling. Don't let anything negative come out of your mouth, only that which is helpful. I want to give you six tips real quick that will help specifically. Let's just deal with the married folk real quick. It will help the marriages, and then we'll help everybody else after that. But but number one, in in a disagreement with your spouse, if you're fighting with them, all right, and I know y'all are real holy and probably never do that, but just in case you fight, here's, some six, here's six tips. Number one, no, never call names. You'd be surprised at, at some of the things I've heard as a pastor when they come in and say, hey, we're fighting, and, and well, he called me this, and I called him that, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is going to be a little more difficult than I thought because it's not just you're fighting about what happened in that relationship, now you're having to filter through, you know, they called me an idiot. They said I'm stupid. Well, she said I'm just like my daddy or he's just like his daddy. And all this name calling going on. Uh, how many of we got to cut it out? If we're going to be healed and have healthy relationships and get a handle on our relationships, we have to stop the name calling. Secondly, never raise your voice. No one has ever been changed by someone who's yelling. People are changed when we are loving. There's a difference. And by the way, if you're sending me text or you're commenting online, can you stop using capital letters? I read that as if you're screaming at me. And there's a place for people who use capital letters. It's where the place where the worm never dies, the gnashing of teeth. But this is your day. This is your moment. You can repent and be converted. Right? 
I'm just having a little fun, but let's talk about it. Never raise your voice. Number three, never get historical. I did not say never get hysterical. Historical. In other words, um, when you're in a disagreement with someone, whether it be your spouse or anyone, uh, a lot of people struggle because they don't just deal with what the frustration is. They go into history. Do you remember when? You did this. Do you remember when you did that? Seven years ago, do you remember? It's like, this is not helping anything. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs, which means that you shouldn't have a list on your spouse of what they did three years ago. You should be able to deal with whatever the, the, you're, you're focused on in the moment without digging up something in the past that's only going to make what you're dealing with worse. So number four, give, me, give you a fourth tip. Never say never or always. In the middle of a disagreement, you don't want to say, well, you always or you never because it's not true and it's not helpful. If you have a disagreement with a family member or a spouse or a friend, stay on task. Deal with what it, whatever it is you're dealing with without saying you always or you never. Number five, this will really help you, never use the word divorce. If you want your marriage to make it, every time you get into a disagreement with your spouse, you, you got to eliminate divorce from your vocabulary. I'm going to say that again. you got to eliminate divorce from your vocabulary. A lot of marriages don't make it, and they really, they ended long before they actually physically, you know, separated because they were throwing out the word divorce all the time. Everything they got in the fight. Well, I'm just going to go file for divorce. And then you wonder why it's not working and not healthy. Let's get rid of it. And the most important number six tip, never quote your pastor during a fight. Very, very important. You'd be surprised at how many people have come and said, well, I got in, we were in this fight, and I told them, Pastor Chad said, I need you to leave me and PK out of your fight, all right? Y'all figure that out. Don't quote me in the middle of it. Figure it out. Come on, hit somebody and say, figure it out. Paul said, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up, speaking directly into their needs. Now, a lot of us, if you're like me, when you're angry, how many of you, when you're angry, you look for, for ways to justify it? Man, we got a lot of liars here. Lord, help this church. But we all, we justify anger. Because when we're angry, and especially if it's with another person, we're, we're angry with them and we feel justified in it. Like, they're wrong. I'm right. They betrayed me. They're evil. I wasn't evil. You know, we, we come up with all these ways to justify, and we even take it a step further. We use phrases like, I'm, I have a righteous anger, Pastor. I have a righteous anger. You know, I'm just righteously angry right now. But, but you got to understand about anger. Get this. The Bible says that anger is like a fire. That anger is destructive. That anger... Um, destroys things. And yet we always want to use the phrase, I, I have a righteous anger 
in my life. But we don't do that with any other thing. We only do it with anger. Have you ever had anyone with a destructive force say like, uh, let's just say greed, for, for example. I, my greed's okay because it's a righteous greed. I want more and more and more, but it's a righteous greed. Or um, I have a righteous lust. You know, God gave me these needs. I'm a man. I've got needs. It's a righteous lust. Have y'all ever heard that? People don't do that, right? It's only righteous anger. We don't say righteous greed. We don't say righteous lust. We don't say righteous gluttony. I'm eating everything for the glory of God. Right? We don't, we don't, but it's anger, anger. Everybody's righteously angry. Yet the Bible says very clearly, Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. That means even what you're calling righteous anger, Paul said, get rid of it. There is no room for you to be angry. No room for you to live with that. He said, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And it's almost like the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm going to take away their loophole. I'm going to name everything I can possibly name so that they are not tempted to think it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry but sin not. How am I going to make sure I ensure that I don't sin, that I get rid of it? Anger not dealt with properly leads to a lot of things that's destructive. So Paul says, I want you to get rid of all anger, all slander, all malice, all of those things, and I'm going to remove any loophole that you might have. And then he follows it up with something really profound in Ephesians 4.32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So we're to get rid of all the slander and the malice, bitterness, all that stuff, and now we're to be kind compassionate and forgiving forgiving the question is is where can you be kind compassionate and forgiving and the answer is you can only do that up close see it's real easy to shout truth from a distance but it's hard work to love up close in order to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving, if I'm going to do that, I have to have proximity to you. I can, it's real easy from 600 miles away to say, hey, I love you and I forgive you. How many know it's a whole lot harder when you got to do life with those people? He's saying be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. But many times we, we take the, the other route where we shout truth from a distance. But it takes time to love up close. I think that we got to do a better job. Can I say it that way? I think the church has to do a better job of being kind and compassionate. Some of you are probably thinking, as I'm preaching this message, the whole time you've been thinking, I wish so-and-so was here. They really needed this one. Right? Man, they really could have used this. They go on those Facebook rants, and they're always mad at somebody, But the truth is, as I got to thinking about this, I mean, we always want to say those people, but the truth is, what if what if I'm those people? I mean, as after all, I'm standing up here with a microphone telling you how to do your life. How many know you I could be those people? Let's take it a step further. What if you're those people? 
Let me give you a little nugget. I think we could all agree there's a little bit of self-righteousness in all of us. Just just look at your neighbor and say just a little bit. A little bit of self-righteousness in all of us. But that's why I want you to look at this prayer as the worship team comes. I'm going to land this plane. This prayer that we read in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So so the psalmist is saying here, God, I want you to search my heart. I want you to show me where I'm arrogant. Show me where I'm judgmental. Show me where I'm self-deceived. Show me where I have anger against an individual or a group of people. Show me where I'm carrying an offense. Show me where I'm not being kind and compassionate. God, show me where I'm not being forgiven. Notice it doesn't say, hey, God, search my brother's heart. You know how many people, uh, Christians, I talk to, they'll come and say, Pastor, would you pray for so-and-so? They just, you know, they just really need God. Sometimes we need to say, you know what, pray for me. Search my heart, God. Know my heart. Show me what's wrong in my heart. This isn't about anyone around me. This is about me. God, show me what's in me. Because being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Very important. I have noticed when it comes to anger, unforgiveness, and offense, that when I get in my flesh, I never make a big difference. I've also noticed that I don't become more loving when I'm living in that. I don't get closer to God when I'm living that way. It's never improved my marriage. As a matter of fact, every minute I'm angry, I lose a minute of joy. Every minute I'm angry, I lose a minute of peace. Every minute I'm angry, I'm missing an opportunity to make a difference in someone else's life. So if you're angry, don't go to bed. Some of y'all, the marriage is in here, y'all going to be up a while. Because we need to give the Holy Spirit room to be able to heal to be able to do what he wants to do in our lives and in our hearts, that if we're going to get a handle on our relationships, we got to do it God's way. Because as followers of Jesus, we have a higher calling. We're not just going to shout truth from a distance, but we're going to get up into the lives of people. We're going to hurt with them. We're going to work through some things with them. We're not going to do it from a distance. We're going to do it up close. And the truth is, A divided world needs a united church. Say that again. A divided world needs a united church. How many think that we can do better as the body of Christ navigating and getting a handle on our relationships? Anybody think we can do a little bit better? Come on, let's give God a hand as you stand to your feet. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to go ahead and get in place. I'm going to ask whoever's taking this uh, podium, if you'll go ahead and just come get that out of the way now. Um, But as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, 
if you're in this room today and you say, Pastor, I feel like you're talking to me. I feel like I need to work through some anger. I need to work through some offense. I need to, this message was for me. I, I got to do a better job. You feel like that's you today. I'm not going to embarrass anyone, but I do want you to respond to the word. If you feel like it was talking to you, would you just raise your hand right there where you are and say, you, this message was for me. There's hands going up all over this building. And I'm going to do what I did in the first service. I, I'm just going to say uh, we may need some additional prayer people up here because I want people to respond to the word of God. But I want you to respond to this word and by faith, Say, you know what, I'm going to go receive prayer for that because two things I believe God wants to do today. I believe God wants to heal your heart of whatever hurt you've gone through. He wants to heal that. But secondly, he wants to give you the grace you need to walk it out. And so I'm going to ask that if you feel like this message was for you, that you get out of your seat now and come and let one of these people pray for you. Uh, Just put your faith with them. You can move now in the name of Jesus. Go ahead and do it. Uh, And as you're moving, as you're coming for prayer, I want to speak to those in the room that you would say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I need his grace. If that's you today and you say, I don't want to leave that way. I want to leave knowing Jesus. Would you raise your hands today? Just say, you're talking to me right now. I want to make sure that my life is, is in Christ. Anyone at all, if you say, that's me today whether in-house or online. One over here, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Here's what I want to do. As the prayer team ministers to those that are already up here, those of you that need Jesus, um, we're going to pray with you. Every voice lifted. Say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me for all my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give them a big hand clap right now. God bless you. Worship team, come on over, come on over, come on over. I want them to be ready to roll. Listen, I'm going to let them sing, and we're going to minister in the altars. If you need prayer, don't leave without it. As they come, can you give Jesus the highest praise you have so far? Come on, give him praise today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.